All right, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you guys for joining us for uh, Launch Strong in Any Area panel. Uh, we're going to have a great time. Do you know it's okay to have a little fun in an ARC app session? Is that okay to have a little fun? Okay, no? No fun? Anti-fun? This is the anti-fun group? Okay, good. So uh, we're going to have a good time here today. Uh, my name is Josh Robry. I work at ARC. My wife and I oversee the launch process with ARC. We work for Mark Cleary, who's the director of church planning. And, of course, Pastor Dino Rizzo is our executive director. So uh, my wife and I see it as a great privilege and an honor uh, to be a part of ARC, to work in the office, to serve pastors and church planners. Uh, we believe our, our mission in life is to help people. We want to find our success in helping other people find theirs. And so um, really looking forward to spending some time with you today. I also read in an article online that it's very important if you want to look good to flank yourself with good-looking people on both sides. So I uh, not only have some of the world's best-looking people, but some uh, amazing church planners uh, yeah, with, with ARC. And so these guys here are um, our church planners with ARC that have launched well are now ARC coaches. Uh, some amazing, amazing people. Uh, we have the one and only David Perkins who launched Radiant Church in Kansas City, Overland Park. Come on. And then we have... Uh, How long ago? How long ago did you launch? <laughs> one year ago. Yeah, one year ago. Sunday was one year. One Come year on, everybody. A year this ago. Past Sunday. So I'm, this I'm next a, Sunday is nice. Awesome, awesome. So you're going to hear more from him. We're going to hear more from each of them. I'm just kind of a facilitator here today to uh, springboard in a conversation with these guys. I'm going to let them tell more about their story in just a minute. Uh, we have Chris Norman, uh, launch Ooh. Citizens Church hey, in, uh, in the Redlands, California. Yeah, or is it just Redlands? It's Redlands. Everyone Redlands. says the Redlands. Redlands. The Redlands. And the way I said it was not even that cool. It was just kind of... <laughs> And, but you don't call it Inland Empire. You're trying to change the name, right? There's kind of a... It, it's the Citrus Valley. Citrus Valley. It's yeah. not... Yeah. Right. That's what we're trying we renamed to renamed it. Renamed it. Okay. Then with Jeremy Bosma. We want to have a local guy. So we got Jeremy Bosma from Las Vegas. Uh, he and his wife, Lindsay, launched Avenue Church seven months ago. They're doing great. Seven Just went months. to uh, two services. Really, really excited. And then uh, we have a guy over here that does not like football whatsoever. No. Uh, does not like Georgia or the Broncos. <laughs> Both of his teams won this week. So he's very, very excited. Uh, we have it's Ernest Smith, favorite. longtime veteran art coach, representing today. Uh, launched uh, Front Range Church in uh, Colorado. Is it Colorado's? Castle Rock. Castle Rock, that's right. Castle Rock, California. Colorado. So anyway, so very, very, very excited to uh, hear from these guys today. I want to tell you a little bit about ARC, um, um, the launch process with ARC, and um, then we're going to let them tell you a little bit about how to launch strong in, um, in any area. So we kind of have a spectrum here of guys that did it in different types of areas for you guys to, to learn and glean from. So... The way our, our launch process works with ARC is uh, we, we have basically four steps, apply, train, coach, and launch. And uh, it's very, very simple to, to begin the process. Just go online and click the apply button. From there, we get some background information from you. Uh, it goes before a review team that uh, assess your readiness to plant. We never want to stop the dream in someone's heart or, or decide whether they're called or not. We want to make sure that we put you in the best success in our, in our model uh, to move forward. So that's what our review team is for. Uh, after you get some feedback from our review team, you'll come through our, uh, our training. And so a lot of our training now takes place online. And the reason for that is because when you, when you fly and travel to spend time with us, we want to make sure that we use that time the best way possible. So what we decided to do is to give you a lot of the training up front and let you prepare, 
And then you come to what we call an, an intensive, an arc launch intensive. Um, many of these guys have been a part of that already. Ernest, have you come and been a part of intensive yet? Mm-hmm. So um, they've all been a part of it as coaches. And uh, when you when you come to an intensive, instead of sitting in a classroom and, you, and hearing notes for the first time, you're going to present your plan uh, that ARC has helped you develop to launch your church. And these guys sit with you at a table and give you feedback. It's it's, it's awesome. And so we, we, we received a lot of great feedback from that. And then from that training, move into the coaching uh, phase of your time with ARC leading up to your launch. And that's where you have a coach work with you. You're going to try to hit some milestones, try to raise some money, build a team, find a sponsoring church, get your location. And as you complete those milestones, uh, you'll qualify for funding from ARC. Our model, which we're going to talk a lot about today, is a launch large model. So there's lots of different ways to start a church. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that work. There's a lot of different philosophies. We have a playbook. So if we're if we're playing football, it's going to be, you know, we, we run the spread offense. So we're looking for a quarterback, running back, receiver that's going to buy into that play model. Doesn't mean that you only do running plays or you only do passing plays or you always run to the right. You can run, you can move the ball however you like down the field, but it's going to be within that model. Does that make sense to at least some of the guys? Okay. Uh, I guess I'm used to talking in, in the South where that would make a lot of sense because we all watch SEC football and don't do much else with ourselves besides that. Go to church and shoot guns. Okay. So, um, but it, but there's a model there's a there's a strategy that we use and it's a launch large so what our goal is is that when you would launch on your first day you would have on, on average it's 263 people on the first day of our church plan uh, we're always trying to get that higher because we want to reach more people for Christ but some some churches have over 300 uh, but mostly if it's good to us if you launch with over 200 because we know the second week there's a certain amount of attrition and when that happens you'll still be self-sustainable and you you are full-time at the church, passing. That's our goal, uh, is, is not to launch bivocational, but to put you in a position where you can devote 100% of your time leading your church. We've seen this work. The idea is that uh, the sooner the church is, is, is self-sustainable, self-sufficient, the more people you can reach. And it actually saves money long-term. So if the average church has 80 people after three years, if you are um, already there on day one, then that's that much money you save trying to build up to the 300 people that might take 10 years to get there. You're there uh, right off the bat. So it's kind of our goal. It's kind of our philosophy to provide great experiences for people to come in that's safe, excellent for them to worship. And in order to do that, there's a launch large model. So without any further ado, I'm going to let these guys talk a little bit about that. Um, before we, I'm going to give each of you guys about 10 minutes, or we have about 10 minutes for you guys each to share. Why don't you just, let's just dive right into it, because I kind of introduced y'all. So we're going to start with uh, Chris Norman. Here you go. Boom. Chris, tell us a little bit about your name, your church, city, your launch date. Tell us a little bit about that, and then yeah. uh, the, the type of area you're in. Yeah, and for sure. Share. For sure. Hey, real quick, before I jump in that, how many of you in here are actually looking to plant a church? Like, you're looking to launch a church here at some point. All right, awesome. awesome nice. Awesome. So good, you guys. You're in the, you're in the right spot. Um, it's an honor to be able to hang out with you guys. The reason that we're all up here and the arts here is because we, we believe that the local church is the hope of the world, and Jesus working through the church, and so anything we can do to come alongside the dream God's put in your heart, that's why we're here. All right, that's why we're here, and and that's what Ark is all about. And so, um, yeah, I guess my name's Chris. This is my beautiful wife Tatum in the back. She hates that I just did that to her right now. I saw you sneak in, honey. Um, none of the app sessions with that. You just want to come hang out with me? Gotcha. Okay. Um, but. Uh, 
Um, yeah, so we planted. We I pastored a church in Orange. I'm from a little city called from a city called Redlands. Pastored a church in Orange County for 14 years. Um, seven years I was the lead pastor on that church. Very healthy church, large church. Tate and I had a beautiful ocean home, uh, a house with the ocean breeze, and uh, it was beautiful. <laughs> and then uh, God moved in my heart, and said, "Don't get comfortable." Don't buy your gravesite here. Um, I got more. I'm like, what? What can there be possibly be more than living in Orange County, healthy church? Our church at the time. I'm just saying this stuff so you guys realize we had millions in savings. We weren't like struggling. We we're a great church, and uh, God says you're going to go. I said, how about I send somebody, Jesus? And He said, you're going to go, and um, just through. All sorts of circumstances. Uh, we knew it was God. We took a year to transition that church so that it continued to be healthy to a staff, to our staff, and we stepped out and put ourselves in the shoes that you're in. Okay, we're going. Okay, I think it might be this city. Come on, somebody, you with me? Like, I think it might be this city. I think it might be these people. I think. Okay, here we go. And we just started to dream. In that process, we came alongside Ark. And here's what I loved about about Ark is I knew. Before we even met Ark, I knew that we had to we had to do everything we could to launch large. I came out of a denomination that said what you do is you move into a house and you start a Bible study and, and you work your tail in off at, at Home Depot or wherever you get a job, right? Come on, you know what I mean? And and then you do that Bible study until and if, if God's in it, if God's in it, it's gonna grow. And then when, then you know God's got his hand on you because you, you started in the home. And I just I don't know what it, it might be just my rebellious nature against the denomination I came out of because I do have a little bit of that in me. Or it was just like, listen, if you're telling me Jesus is going to come back in two months, let's just say, and then, and then and what am I going to go do in the city that I love? Am I going to go tuck myself in a little, you know, in a home and get out my acoustic guitar and ask somebody to play the djembe? Come on, somebody. Or am I going to do all I can to reach as many people I can on you know, in, in that time, in that two months. And so we were already running that direction to, to launch, to launch large. So here's what I'm trying to, trying to say. We came alongside Ark. Ark, Ark breathed on that. Ark, Ark gave us the tools we needed, help us think through things we weren't thinking about. And here's what I look back at and realize, that what you do right now on that runway matters a lot. It's, it's critical. So I talk to people, some of you are thinking, God called me to plant a church. I'm going to do it in two months from now. That happens all the time because you're like you got this burden, this burden on your heart. I'm gonna go do it. Like, pause. What you do on this runway matters for the entirety of that flight. Like, if you don't get that thing off the ground, you're not gonna have a plane to fly, right? So you pay attention to to the to the to the runway. And so what we'll do, what I'd love to do, is come alongside you in that runway phase. You get to do it one time, and in that runway phase, go. Here's some obstacles. Here's some things you need to look out for. Here's some things you want to think through. Here's some things we've seen work. And here's, oh, and by the way, that's something that's constantly molding and shaping and contextualizing to different cities and all that, that we're all learning. You're standing, you're sitting next to the smart kid in class and learning how to launch healthy and how to launch, how to launch large. He mentioned launch, and, and I'll say this too, um, you're going to put into that runway season more attention, more time, more effort, more fuel than, than you realize because... Think about when a when a rocket launches, right? It takes more fuel to get it off from 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 zero to to up than it does once it gets in space. So you have to realize it's going to take tons of energy and time and resource. And so if you're thinking I'm just going to jump in and do it, stop. 
you, you, right now you get a game plan you get some people around you believe in you and you start moving moving that direction that makes sense to everybody so the one of the ma- major ways we do that at arc is through through the coaching and then I'll pass it off but with, through the coaching and <laughs> that coaching's changed over the years when I was when, when I was a part of it the coaching looked like this like hey man go plant your church give me two phone calls yep. and uh, and let me make sure you got something on your mailer that makes sense right <laughs> and that was the coaching I love the way we're doing it now yeah. um, and I love the fact that Ark's willing to sit down and go let's re-envision this let's re-envision this make it better make it better the way we do it now is that if you're planting a church on the west coast you're going to go sit around a t- table with three, four, five other couples that are planting a church on the West Coast. And there's going to be a coach there who's planted a church on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and you're going to sit there, and what you're going to do is to develop a relationship. And now we're going to talk. Hey, let's talk through strategy. Let's talk through where your head's at. Let's talk through. And what you're going to find is you go on a journey now. You go on a journey now with people who are feeling those same stresses, you know, feeling that same pressure, working through that stuff together. And you're sitting with somebody who just worked through those same pressures, just worked through those same struggles, just you know, tackle those same um, uh, you know mountains, and, and you get to do it together, and you you learn from one another. And so the coaching element of it has just been um, awesome. It's incredible. And and just to 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 play to that um, right now, I'm coaching two guys. One's planting in um, Seattle. Uh, you guys heard from him this morning, Pradeepin. He's planting in Seattle. I've been his coach. It's been the joy of my life. And then I got another guy um, is planting in, um, who else is name? Seth is planting over in Portland. And those guys know they can call me anytime, they need anything they want, and we're, we're walking this thing together. Um, and, and we're seeing healthy churches launch that way. So that's what we give to you in that coaching element. We're going to walk with you through this whole thing. And, and it's an incredible, it's an incredible process. And so... Let me throw a question at you. Okay, sir. Okay. So uh, how much did you launch with, and then how much did it change yeah. week one, week two? Yeah. And talk about what that process for you guys. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm, when you when we say launch large, what we mean is launch healthy. We want to get you a place where you can you get off the runway and you can be healthy. So we say numbers around here. Um, don't let that be daunting. Like, I don't think I could ever do that. You know, with coaching and everything, we get you there. But we launched with, we moved to our city in September. We launched in January. And so we only had a few months, everybody. And we launched with 500 on, on launch day. Did you think that you would launch with 500? No, we set out 150 chairs. <laughs> we had faith, baby. 150 chairs. 150 chairs. And then we're getting a phone call. Or the guys are on the walkie-talkies. You're going to need more chairs. Mm. The parking lot's packed. And we're like, I don't know. And then, were you depressed were, at that moment? No. <laughs> I, have a picture, I have a picture of my wife in the back with a tear coming down her eyes just like this. Worship, just going, oh, my God. Gosh, Lord, we saw we saw so many come to Christ that day. Um, powerful moment. And the next week, we went from 500. We went down to 350. That's where we 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 bottomed out at about 320, and and we went up from that. Easter was like I think seven eight weeks later, or, or, or ten weeks later, and we were at 750 people on Easter, and we've just seen this incredible move because we we stepped out in faith, and we weren't stupid enough to think that we had all the answers. We were willing to, to sit next to the smart kid and learn a little bit as we went down the road. So, 
You know, and I, I want to tell you this, Chris. I can just feel, I don't know you guys, just feel his passion up here for everything that he's talking about. Can you guys sense that, the coaching and just going through the, the memories of, of what you walked through? And, uh, you know, I just love love hearing that. It's been it's very refreshing to me. All right, so I'm going to pitch it over to David Perkins, uh, Radiant Church. And, um, David, tell us a little bit about uh, your area, uh, why you picked it, and uh, what happened on your launch, and then go from there. Yeah, sure. Um so I had seen Chris Hodges' story about how he uh, went to different cities and just prayed through cities, and so I did the same thing. I just straight up copied it. And uh, so I went to Denver and Dallas, Oklahoma City and Kansas City. I uh, spent 16 years pastoring um, on staff at a church in Colorado Springs, and um, so I loved the, kind of the Midwest area and um, felt like when I was in Kansas City, um, I woke up one morning and sensed like the Holy Spirit said, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And I sensed, okay, this isn't going to be my own strength but this is the lord and um when you're going to risk everything that you have on the smallest prophetic whisper <laughs> it's scary uh, but it was beautiful and so um our church is radiant church we're in overland park kansas which is a southern suburb of kansas city and um this coming sunday will be our one-year anniversary come on. and so we are uh yeah come on and we're not dead yet. And so, uh, <laughs> You've done uh, it. Yeah, it's really good. My encouragement to you I, would be that um, I, I would encourage you to love the coaching process with ARC and love all of these. I just call them big brothers, um, whether they're actually older than me or not, but people that have gone before you and done it because I've tried to um, really just – just follow exactly what they tell me to do and it's turned out to be amazing and wonderful and so our church was um church plant uh, 600 and so i figure if they've done this 599 times they know more than me because uh, i never done this before and so uh renata and i my wife we have four kids um seven nine eleven and thirteen we decided to really just follow and, and, and do what they told us to do and it's been really great so for us in my few minutes I just want to try to resource as quick as I can and tell you um, what I can and hopefully some of it will be a benefit to you um, so we uh, we moved in February so we moved in February of 2016 uh, we launched September 18th 2016 um, my hope and my prayer was that there would be just I came to a seminar just this exact same one and I was like, oh, God, just if, if Josh Robry says 200 people, I'm just praying for 200 people. Um, and so we were amazed when um, our first Sunday was 726. Um, and, and so there was a few things that I would say helped us. Number one, um, uh, we, we did invest in the mailer. And so what Ark told us to do in terms of the mailer, uh, we did more. Um, and so uh, we, we tried to get, get a mailer to um, actually double the houses that you told us to. Um, just because I was so scared. And, um, and so uh, I would encourage you to, if, to, to, to launch large with the mailer. Um, if Josh and company say do the mailer, do the mailer. Um, another thing that we did, uh, we went social media heavy. And so I brought in, I'd, I've been doing youth ministry for 16 years. And a part of that was uh, a lot of videography where I had a guy who had helped me with videos. I brought him from Colorado to Kansas City. We shot 15 videos that were shorter than 60 seconds. And for 10 of those videos, I just cast a vision about the church that I see. And um, we boosted that on Facebook uh, for the month leading up to launch. Um, in addition, uh, I took five different families that were on our launch team of different ages um, some some of them were one family was 
in their 50s all the way down to college kids and um, and did a 60 second video where they talked about the church that they see and um, so uh, so that helped some of the demographics I felt like um, on launch day as we've talked to people now we retained um, we had 450 come back on our second week um, and so we've, we've kind of stayed at that we haven't had big surges yet we're believing for an Easter surge but um, <laughs> we, we, we were, were just over 500 this past Sunday we've been right in that 510 515 520 for the last five weeks um, but a lot of the people they found out straight up through a mailer or they found out uh, through Facebook um, I'm a revival guy I, I, I love old school revival that's like my thing um, and so uh, I, there was a part of me that cringed two years ago when they were like if you want to see a good launch day send a mailer I just can't imagine just standing before the Lord and saying hey Acts 1-8 you receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you and you you will send a mailer I just couldn't like two years ago I just I just didn't I didn't connect with it um but I felt like I felt like the thing I needed to do was just submit these guys know what they're doing and man I would not trade it at all like I feel like the Lord used the mailer and so um it's been awesome so if you can't get them there you can't minister to them and yeah. in this season um, that turned out to be a blessing. So, anyway, we did the mailer. We did the mailer strong. Um, then we did uh, social media. We did more Facebook than we did Instagram because we didn't have many Instagram followers at that point. But we were able to just blast it on Facebook, and it helped us. Um, that's another thing that we did. Um, a third thing that we did um, that I was nervous to tell everybody, but um, <laughs> we did a prayer meeting at my house every week. <laughs> and so I wasn't sure if that was part of the... Ark would let me or not, but um, <laughs> which it turns out Ark's great with that, uh, but I wasn't sure, and so I kept my, I, I called it the secret prayer meeting, um, I didn't want anybody to know, you can't post about it, don't talk about it, but uh, because of that, I kind of made it intriguing, so we did a prayer meeting at my house every Tuesday night, we called it secret prayer because uh, we just didn't know if we were allowed to do a secret prayer or not, so it was a secret, we're going to plan a church, we don't want anybody to know, um, but we're going to, about this prayer meeting, but you could be invited to secret prayer but you couldn't post about secret prayer so we did um, we did the secret prayer and that turned out to be amazing um, yeah it is there's only one rule nobody knows um, so we did that and uh, my house ended up just growing with just people like out the door um, just praying and so that was one of the primary places where we created a relationship in the summer of 2016 before the launch in, in September of 16. Um, and, and so we can talk more about that. But that was – out of everything that we did, that was the place where I actually felt like I, I, I got to know people was – and, and I felt like they were able to see some of the, the core of our heart, that our church was going to be – have a real prayer flavor to it. Mm. Um, so in addition, we did um, – faster we did on friday nights uh, we did we rented a room in a community center and we did 10 weeks leading up to launch day where i we took uh 45 minutes it was an interest social and um for 45 minutes i shared what we did about 15 minutes of uh worship uh and um and then i would share for about 30 minutes just really i just told the story over and over again um then we did a break and then we did uh where we had uh, the, the the dream team, the team that was going to be all in, I would train them for the second 45 minutes. So we would invite people to the interest social, and that was just the first hour. It was 45 minutes, and then it was 15 minutes of social. But then at the end of the 
at the end of the interest meeting, I would say, hey, we've got people that are already all in, and so we're going to do a training in 15 minutes. If you're just kind of like all in, just stick around and, um, and join on the team, and then we would get them on the dream team that night. So for 10 weeks leading up to launch day, by the time, I mean, by the time we got to launch day, Friday night was jammed, and there was people coming back you know, every Friday night excited about Sunday. Um, then we did, uh, on Sundays, we did not send people to churches. We asked people to stop going to church um, because we just didn't want to be the, the people that were had people on our team going to other churches. Um, and so what we did is we just called them Panera parties. We met at the same Panera every Sunday morning, and we required everybody to bring an iPhone or a laptop or an iPad. And um, we went after it on Facebook, and we just had people ask spiritual questions, join uh, Facebook groups that existed in the city, and we just talked about Jesus on Facebook to kind of the people's social networks. And, and it created conversation, and, then, and it wasn't even in their um, – they didn't talk about Radiant, but all of them had our logo over their face uh, on their profile. <laughs> and so um, we had <laughs> – I can call it weird. It's just what we did. So um, that turned out to be great. Uh, I didn't refuse any dinner or any coffee. I had dinner and coffee with everybody I possibly could during that time. Um, the big, one of the biggest things that helped us was just trying to use everybody that had the all-in factor, use their extended network. Um, and so that was big on social media. The last thing that I'll say is we we started an intern program before we started a church. That might seem weird, but um, we did an orientation where we invited uh, 20-somethings to move to Kansas City with us. We did an orientation the week before, we, two weeks before we launched, over Labor Day weekend. And, um, and we did a part-time internship, which then those kids uh, went and got jobs in Kansas City, which was just another way we infiltrated the city. Um, and we, have, we had a young couple that was willing to, raise support have the internship be their uh, their ministry and that was another benefit for our launch day all right awesome awesome so uh, I just want to touch on two things David said you know we're kind of laughing about his secret prayer meetings uh, let you guys in on the secret on that why was that why did he call it a secret prayer meeting well part of our model at arc is we want we truly want your first day to be your first service and so that's the kind of thing uh, he was speaking at so when you launch a church with arc when we talk about doing an interest meeting there's we're not playing the guitar we're not taking an offering because what we're doing is is we're trying to put them first not you first, not the church first. We're, we're establishing a culture and a philosophy and approach to the city is that it is truly about you. The second part of that is when they come to your uh, launch day, you're, you've been planning for this day to create the best possible experience for them so that you could do that every day for the rest of your life as a church. So why would you do that? And Why would you put all the effort in planning for that and then give them sneak peeks of something that's not even half as good as that's going to be? Because then what happens is, is the whole um, community begins to hear about your church as a place where they have a djembe and a bad guitar player because you didn't want to be real serious about it. And so what David did was he did prayer meetings but he didn't use the prayer meetings to recruit new people. He did the prayer meetings so that his team could pray for the church. And that's what we want to do. Josh Monty always says something. Uh, he's planning a church right now with Ark in Florida that I love. He says, don't do merry things before the wedding day. Okay? But after you have the wedding day, you'll have your rest of your life to enjoy those merry things. And that's how it is. We're, we're in a, when you're in the launch process, you're, in a, you're engaged to your city. Okay? And then you're going to marry her. And then you'll do those things or him depending on you know whatever's happening uh, you know if you're a guy or a girl here in this situation so um, 
that almost got off track real quick. But anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, right back on track here. So, uh, but with uh, another thing, David, as you were talking, I think you said something that I think is really a really a key to your success. But I, I want to make sure everyone else makes a connection here. You served at a place for a long time, one church. How much did that play into your success as a church planner? Because I feel like if I was to give advice to what's the one thing that we look for, it's that you have a track record of yeah. consistency and growing something in the local church before you step yeah. out. So I think the 730, you know, 726 might have something to do with that. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I think um, we weren't an overnight success, like surprisingly shocking. It was, I mean, I'm, I was 39 years old. And we've just been faithful serving in the local church my whole life. And I do think that there was trust there. I don't think, I think there was a lot of people that um, trusted me and some of our leaders because of our faithfulness and serving in the local church for so long. Good. Awesome. There's yeah. probably no way you could have done an internship without building that reputation somewhere first. Right. Yeah. I mean, exactly. So the way that we were able to mobilize those people is because they already knew and trusted us. And so the temptation, I mean, one of the things you can, some people want to plant a church too soon. And the best thing that they can do is stay steady, build trust, and go launch once that equity exists. Very good. Awesome. Thank you. So let's, uh, let's hear from Ernest Smith. Uh, try not to talk too much about the Bulldogs and the Broncos. You've got a lot to brag about right now. Uh, but tell us a little bit about your story, where you guys launched, and uh, your experience as a coach with Art. Yeah, first I want to hit on uh, just kind of the theme that these guys are, are speaking to. And I think it's this mentality. Uh, I know when I first came to ARC and I began hearing the different stories like this, um, at first my heart was like, man, why is it so much about numbers? But I need you to understand it's not about numbers. It's that, like for me, the way I see church planning is it's like having a healthy baby. Like no one says I want a one-pound baby. Like no one, no one desires to have a one-pound baby be born, right? But you, you want a healthy baby. And usually we know there's a range, like five pounds to ten pounds. Well, maybe not ten pounds, but, you know, but like somewhere in that range, right? Like, and no one goes, well, my baby was six, eight, and your baby was only six, seven. Like no one does that. So our heart is not comparison to one another. Our heart is we want to launch healthy, and we just firmly believe, as you heard from these guys' stories, you're going to drop, just like a baby drops weight as well. That's why it's so important. Have a healthy baby here, it'll, he or she will drop weight, and you'll be okay. It's the same thing in church planning. You want to get to this point because you're going to drop, and when you drop, you'll be okay. You'll be able to sustain yourself in all the different ways you need to sustain yourself. So just in case you're struggling with that, I was too. Just understand the heartbeat is so that long-term you will have a healthy church. We all know that a baby that is born at one pound has a whole lot harder chance, a lot harder, harder time in surviving and growing long-term than a baby who's born at eight pounds normal and all that stuff. So uh, just want to put that out there. Um, my name is Ernest Smith. I'm at Front Range Christian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado, which is a suburb of Denver. Uh, I came out of a church called Seacoast in Charleston, South Carolina with Pastor Greg Surratt. Um, I was on staff there for 15 and a half years. So same thing with David. I just believe that uh, you be faithful with where you are. I also believe that um, how you begin uh, is really determined on how you end. Uh, so God's favor and blessing on your life is determined on how well you lead the situation you're in, even if it's a tough situation. Your willingness to bless and honor people is not dependent on their actions. It's dependent That's on good. yours. Sure. And so I think you know, you're going into this new season is highly dependent on you coming out of the season that you're coming out of. For me... 
Um, moving from Charleston, South Carolina to Denver, Colorado, there's a massive difference in those two places. And honestly, uh, I, I don't know what number we were as far as uh, number of churches that was uh, that were planted west of the Mississippi, but let's just say there weren't too many of us at the time that we planted. Now, uh, Ark, uh, you know, there was a lot of guys in the southeast, which is great. There weren't too many further out uh, west. And so we were kind of venturing into new territory. Now, I was going into a new place that, uh, I, you know, I didn't fully understand the culture. I kind of never recycled, and that's like Denver <laughs> to a T. You know, like, I, like there's just a, a lot of things. It was very, very different between our cultures. Um, but... For, I had to learn, I had to really like dissect who the people were that God was calling us to, to go reach. And one of the things that helped me, and for some of you who are kind of like, man, I know I'm being called to plant, but I'm not sure where, my encouragement to you and my question to you would be, what type of people are you called to reach? And I, I believe, and I could be way off on this, and Art doesn't necessarily teach us, this is Ernest's opinion, so if I'm off, cast it up to that. But I think there are three types of people. One, there's the, the de-churched. Uh, two, there's the unchurched and kind of antagonistic, uh, and then there's the unchurched and yet spiritual. And so the de-church, we all know those. You know, the, they're the people you have to convince that you know there aren't they aren't believers before you can help them find Jesus. Uh, then you've got the unchurched and antagonistic. That's like uh, Seattle or or Boston or San Francisco, some of those places. And then you've got the unchurched and, and yet spiritual, the people who are open. They're open to conversations. And for me, I grew up as that guy, the unchurched yet spiritual. Like I was willing to explore the, the conversation, um, but you know, I, like I grew up in a de-churched area, so I always kind of felt out of place. All three of those type of people are going to be in your city that you go to. The key is, what is the majority of the city filled with? And is that the type of person you are? Is that your story? If I had come out of being raised in the church and then I went to a place like Boston, I, it's going to be a lot harder. It doesn't mean that God's not calling me there, but it's going to be a lot harder. And I think so many times we over-spiritualize our calling. Uh, and please hear me on that. Like, I think God wants to send you to a place you're going to thrive, that your family's going to thrive. And a lot of times in the church planning world, especially early on, there was this mentality that you were going to be called to go somewhere where you had to sacrifice everything. Like you were going to be called to move to Alaska, you know, and sorry if you're from Alaska, but like that would be horrific for my family. My wife would hate me, you know, Um, that's just like, and I just, I believe that God loves your family enough to draw you to the city where your family is also going to thrive. So it's not just about reaching the people of the city. It's about God loving your family and placing you in the right city for your family. So when you're dissecting where to go and the culture and all of that, think about you. You know, who are you? And when you go cross culture, you have to find the people that are most like you in that culture. So I'm moving from the south to the west. You know, the, the Denver was established to get away from the religious nuts of the east coast. And now I'm moving there being one of those, right? So I have to figure out, man, what is this culture like and then who I am. And then I've got to go to the place in Denver that's most like me to have the greatest potential for success. Does that make sense? So again, it's a very spiritual thing that you're doing, but you also have to use a lot of logic in, in your process. And you have to think through how God has created you and the experiences you have and then why he might be bringing you to the city that he's bringing you to. And once you get there, two biggest factors, money and people. That's it. I mean, like, there's not a whole lot of depth to that. You need a lot of money and you need a lot of people if you're going to launch well. And so uh, money-wise, man, there's, there, I don't know if there is any breakouts. This Not today, I don't think, on finances, but are there any tomorrow? Did, did you know of? 
Um, I'm pretty sure there is financial breakouts, yeah. Okay, so check those out because um, you want to make sure you you get that one. Um, that's a huge one. But the people piece, you got to find people that are willing to launch with you. They're crazy enough to either move with you like David had. Um, how many people did you guys have moved? 60. 60 people uh, move with him. That's like taking a, a big old airplane and jumping out. Like he parachuted in with a plane. You know, so that's awesome. Uh, we we had the same blessing. Um, so obviously, the more people you can take that already know you, that know your heart, that see the bigger picture, the people who can come out of the church, uh, whether it's your church that you're currently in or another church that already have the mentality of what you're going after, the more people you can draw with you to move to that area or to be a part of that, the better. Uh, and then once you get there, you got to figure out how to get people. Now, one of the ways that we did that is we went to some area churches. And we said, hey, we're, uh, we're new. Uh, you love Jesus. We love Jesus. And we love these lost people. So let's figure out how to reach them together. Uh, can we steal your people? And so we kind of gave them a plan of how to do that, of how, he, how you like, utilize their people for a little season. Uh, and, uh, and they allowed us to do that. Um, multiple churches let me preach in their congregation. And afterwards, the pastor would stand up and go, and if you want to go with them 20, 20 minutes down the street, go. Um, and so uh, at the end of the day, the success of a church is based on God's favor and God's blessing. Okay, so we just have to like pray big prayers and ask God to do big things. But don't don't say no for another pastor. Don't say no for another church just because a church you came out of would never do that. It would have never allowed that. You've never heard of that. When I first went to Denver, my very first conversation, we were in the city just praying over it. In our very first conversation, we had been there an hour, went to lunch with this guy, and he said, hey, I want to let you know you can come preach in our congregation, take as many people as you want. And then he said, I just raised 75000 for a church plant. I'll give that to you if you come here. Like, that had nothing to do with my journey, had nothing to do with my story. It was like, God loved our people enough that he's like, if you're willing to come, I'm going to be willing to resource you. I'll make this thing happen. So don't say no for other people. Don't don't say no for the pastors in your town. I had a a church in our town, in our tiny, we have a tiny little town. This church said, um, this pastor, his wife got cancer. And she eventually died. But in the process, uh, I said, hey, man, any way I can serve you. I've been there like a month. And he said, hey, would you be willing to come preach? I said, I'll come preach. I just want you to know I will not say anything about my church. And you don't have to either. And at the end, he gets up and he talks about our church for a little bit, how we're going to be launching soon and all of that. And we had a, one family, but the family was 14 people. They all left this church in that, that day to come be a part of, uh, of our church. Now, this church was only 60 people. And they lost what, 13, 14, whatever I just said, in one day. That was in October. By February, that church was over 200 people. So like God will bless that church for being open-handed because that's what He wants us to be. So just don't say no for them because God may have a blessing for them that you'll deny them by saying no for them. Great. So, Good insight. That's awesome. I just got... Uh, saved. Yeah, I think I just got saved. Yeah, pretty much. I was taking notes there. Very good, Ernest. Thank you so, so much. Um, you know, I, I want to jump to Jeremy and give him plenty of time as well. But before we do, could you answer one question for us about uh, the model church you learned at? And, and you know, at Seacoast, they kind of patented the, the attractional weekend service. You brought that to um, Denver. Tell us a little bit how that weekend service model is different from traditional weekend services and how it worked for you. Yeah, so for us at Seacos, um, you know, the, the whole goal is to reach lost people. I mean, that's the whole goal. We've, we wanted to help people 
once they found Christ, then get connected into community groups or small groups or whatever you want to call them, serving and all that so they can grow in their faith, get mentor relationships, that type of thing. But that Sunday is an experience for people to draw their lost friends to, for them to you know, be able to say, hey, come with me. It's just like Judd's message this morning and about you know, the, the, the woman that was a part of the adult industry. And that's, like, that's the goal. Right, is for us, well, that's not going to happen if people walk in and they feel immediately condemned or they feel like it's their grandma's church or something like that. Usually. There are some churches that that still works for, but the, the, the more contemporary route, the more attractional route is saying, man, we, we want to be welcoming to everybody. We're going to love every person that walks through these doors, no matter who they are, what they do, or what they did last night. But we're going to also love them too much to allow them to stay where they are. So like for our church, we have multiple homosexuals, multiple Baha'is. We have Muslims. I mean, like you name it, they're in our congregation. But they know who we are. But we, we create the environment, and it's not for us. It's not about the music, and it's not about the preaching. It's about the people. Mm-hmm. It's about the community that's being built. It's about our greeters knowing that somebody is going to make a determination about coming back to that church in the first seven minutes. So from the time they get out of their car to the time they get into service, that's already seven minutes. So in seven minutes, they haven't heard me preach anything. So they're not sitting there going, wow, this guy's an amazing preacher. I'm coming back next week. Like no unchurched person is thinking that. Right? No unchurched person is going, if there was just a cooler preacher in that middle school down the street, maybe I'd go to church. No, they're looking for community. They're looking for life change. And so that's, Seacoast created that. I remember the first two people that I met when I first went to Seacoast. I was lost, suicidal, uh, I tried to kill myself, I I was uh, a labeled alcoholic, into drugs, all that stuff, and I walked up, I remember driving in, and there was a guy with a big old afro parking cars, and it was weird because he was a white dude with an afro in the middle of the summer of like Charleston, which is hot, and he was happy, and he was like parking cars, I'm like, that dude's way too happy, that's weird, and then as I was walking into this church, this lady um, uh, greeted me, she said, hey, we're so glad you're here, and I thought you shouldn't be. Like, this isn't church. Like, the church that I understand church to be shouldn't be happy that an alcoholic, suicidal, young punk kid is here. And those are the, I don't remember what Pastor Greg preached about. I don't remember what songs were saying. I remember the culture. And the culture was inviting. It was attractive. I wanted that. It was They were pursuing something that I didn't even understand at the time, which I now understand was Jesus. But it was that culture that attracted me there and made me want to keep coming back. So that's what we try to recreate. It's amazing. Thank you so much, Ernest. I'm going to pass it on to Jeremy. Jeremy, tell us a little bit about launching in Vegas, your story, how you got the word out, and uh, just go for it. You bet. Um, we were seven months old as a church, so seven months ago we, we started Avenue Church here in the southwest part of town, and on launch day we saw 389, and then Easter we saw 474, and then kind of dipped back down, but the numbers really helped you, the statistics, you know, saying like, boom, we're big, and then when you go down the next week, you're like, I hate my life, I shouldn't yep. be doing this, and we were prepared for that, we were able to prepare our team, be able to know, you know, sound like we knew what we were talking about, yeah. hey, let's get ready for this, because on day one, we always invite people to day two, or right, come visit you, can you come the second week, because we're going to be a big drop off, so right. Please come back the second week. And um, that was just an amazing thing for us. And being seven months in, we had to add a second service. So we're two services in, and which is really part of culture for us now to do, hey, ARC trains this, so we want to do sit one, serve one. And, and 
been amazing to see our A team we call it because we like it when the plan comes together, but it's a dream team. And the dream team, they're able to serve and then they're able to sit in and just seeing their health, you know. And we, we discussed the, the culture of we, we didn't start a church for you, we started a church for our city. And let's get together, let's you know, let's reach the lost and seeing that program. But we learned all this through the ARC uh, training. And I gotta tell you, even a year ago, we you know, we're seven months old, so a year ago we're sitting in Anaheim at ARC. And we're just like you guys. Go on. I'm going to launch a church. You know, I'm just, we're going to launch it in February. We actually had to move it because we didn't get a venue until a month before we launched. So Christmas was a lot of Xanax and uh, <laughs> a lot of tongues and, you know, all those things. And Lord, I trust you. You said you build it. So you need help, you know, somewhere. <laughs> and uh, just seeing God provide an amazing venue for us. But sitting in Anaheim last year going... How in the world can we do this? How, how can we do this? And the resources of the coaches. I'm telling you, you know, it's like, uh, should I, you know, you know, should I launch with Mark? Think about going through the process, learning about growth track, learning about groups, learning about interest socials and the outreach portion of it. But then think about having these guys coach you, having, you know, Ernest and Chris and David coach you and say, hey, here's the plan, but here's also what I did. You know, all the different Panera parties, the, the secret prayer meetings, the, you know, all those different things. Try it. Give it a shot. Let's do this. And it was just really uh, began to form culture for us. Uh, our launch day, people walked in and said, this is no way this is your first day. Yeah. And I'm not bragging about me. I'm bragging about our, our, our dream team. I'm bragging about our church. And people are going, this is no way this is your first day. I'm like, seriously, it's our first day. Like, I had to, like, break people down. Like, it was our first day, you know. And they couldn't <laughs> believe that. They thought we were doing this for a while, a year, a couple of years. And then they also said this, too. They said, this is Vegas culture, 51%. Our people in Vegas don't go to church. It's not your grandma's church. We just don't go to church. We work. We work on the strip. That's what we do. We run different venues. Sunday's not a day off. Sunday's a work day. All those things that we begin to see in Vegas. Uh, fifth most unreached city. In Vegas doesn't mean it's a terrible city. No, it means we, we can invite people into a community. We can invite people into an experience on, on Sunday morning. So they would walk in. They go, I love the southern hospitality you have here. I don't have anyone in the south on my team. So I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, we don't have sweet tea, we don't have anything like that. Well, what is that Southern hospitality? It's the culture that we set in from the parking lot, from the sidewalk, through the lobby that you walk into, a smiley face. I mean, that's not Vegas. When I moved into my house in Vegas, I was like, oh, there's my neighbor. You know, I was like, hey, neighbor. And he's like, just went inside, you know. And I'm like, what? what is this? Because it's a different culture. It's the West Coast culture. And in knowing that, people are guarded. And we were able to break them down from the parking lot, break them down from the sidewalk, break them down to the lobby, and then all of a sudden they're cracking a smile. All of a sudden they're excited to be there. Why? Because it's a life-giving uh, experience, a life-giving culture. People see culture before they hear vision. And so they're going to see what your church is like from the website. They're going to see what it's like from the mailer. They're going to see what it's like from the videos you post, from whatever. They're they're even going to see culture in your personal profile. I mean, they're going to check you out on what you're putting up. And if you're mad about something, okay, then that's probably an upset culture. That's probably a a, a culture of law, you know. And, And just being intentional on every single thing that you do. So when we launched, not only did we launch strong, but we were able to stay healthy. 
And I got to tell you, the, just the systems, the, the growth track, everyone is, is one step away. And, you know, what is your first step? Maybe your first step is, you know, knowing God. What's your first step? Maybe it's finding freedom. What's your step? Is it, you know, discovering your purpose and placing? We don't take people and stick them in positions. You know, it used to be that way in the church I came from. It was like, oh, crap, uh, nursery. Um, you, you work the nursery. Come here because you're just available. Instead of placing people in positions, we were placing gifts. Your gift in this area, I'm going to put you here, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to kill it. I'm going to ask you to do a great job, take it further and farther than we ever you know, could possibly do it. But not only that, it saved us from not giving out titles. It saved us from the heartache of you know people that will only follow you. If you give them a title, they're going to murder you when they get one. And just saving us from every single little thing. I mean, just the details that 600 churches have gone through. I call it a time machine. You know, I get to not make those mistakes because great guys have come before me and they said, don't do it this way. Don't do it this way. Do it this way. And it was just amazing to see uh, just the health of our church because healthy things grow. And that's the problem. It's healthy things grow. And yes, we talk about numbers. Every number is a name. Every name has a story. And it's just amazing to see someone walk into our church, whether they've been hurt by church, whether they've been hurt by a pastor, or they don't know Jesus. They've never been in church. Uh, we have a lady who's from the adult industry walked in with glasses on. You can see how she was putting the wall up. And she went into our road track. And so I'm going to check this out. And eventually, I begin to see the glasses finally come off. Come on. And then I begin to see her smile. I begin to see her have a meeting with my wife. And she told my wife, I didn't think I was... Uh, would be accepted. I think I would be welcome. Uh, she thought, she said when she walked into our church building, she was amazed that it didn't burn down because she was such a heathen. And I said, you know what? We all got issues, and that's just us. You know, I mean, that's the pastoral team up here. And it was amazing to see her go through girl track, go through the four steps, discover her purpose, make a difference, and say, you know what? I have purpose in my life. And she began, I mean, when I say, I mean, she's in adult, the adult entertainment. She was in her 50s. She was leaving that entertainment. And, then, and because she left it, she, she was no longer accepted by it because of her age and going, you know what? Something that I thought I had purpose in, something I thought I was going to do well in, has not accepted me, but you've accepted me. So it's just been amazing to see uh, even the multicultural, multigenerational, all those things that we see in our church. Why? Because of our Hmm. Because of our coach, because of the training, uh, because of every single thing that we go through. And I said this in the last session, you just won't fail if you go through art because of the people around you, hmm. because of the coaches that you pursue. You know, the, the passion of the protege is determined by the pursuit of the mentor. you got to pursue your coach and pursue those around you. But not only do I have, like, an official art coach, I have an unofficial coaches in my life. I mean, I have guys that say, hey... What's your name? You're killing it. Can I have your number? Let's talk. Let's invest. And just to open uh, the open hearts of art, open hearts of every pastor here. And uh, for me, my last thing I'll close would be just being a part of a conference and seeing key speakers, key app session guys uh, walk through the crowds and begin to share their story. They're, they're not untouchable, but they're saying, hey, this worked for me. Give it a try. Good. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, you guys have shared a lot of things that's done, that's gone well. A lot of things you've done that worked, helped you find success. I'd love to hear from any one of you that want to share a mistake that you made or something that you wish you wouldn't have done. And now you're on the other side of that, and um, you want to share some of that good stuff, everybody. 
Chris, you probably can't think of anything. I, I, it's I, all I gone so well. Yeah. But yeah. And, and you can say anything you've seen, or, and if you can't think of something for yourself, but maybe you've seen other people do. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, one, one thing that we're actually still in process of unwinding was uh, when we launched, again, when you when you... <laughs> This is like art font. Am I going to mess this up with art? But we're going to talk about this. You're out. So this whole concept of launch large, which guys, listen to me. And we do say it's not about. The, we always say it's not about the numbers. Not about the, in, in so many senses, God calls our hearts to be about the numbers because, because, like you said, every number is alive and every life matters to God. So we're going to reach. I, I tell my church, we're going to reach a lot of people. We're going to reach a lot of people. But here's the problem: we reach a lot of people. Five hundred people show up on the first Sunday. Three hundred fifty people are sitting there the next day. I had a launch team of seventy people. And I'm going. How do we possibly do kids ministry next week? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I need a hundred people to help do kids and uh, like all that. So we started. Going, hey, you, can you breathe? Okay, good. Come on, I need you. I need you to come over here. And, and, you, and do you know how to? And I just started throwing. We started throwing people in every area because we were just afraid that we were going to bleed out if we didn't get people involved. Well, then you come to find out down the road that Susie, who's now serving in kids ministry. Um, doesn't even really love Jesus. Uh, and it's like, how did we miss that? Um, we ignored up front the whole thing that art teaches about this thing called Life Track. And so you'll learn about a week called Life Track. It's called Growth Track. And um, anyway, so we went months and months and months with just grabbing people. Remember that tape? Grabbing people, grabbing people, and throwing them in to find out that it actually ended up hurting us big time. So how has the growth track helped you? Um, so we ended up starting, growth track has helped us incredibly. We ended up starting, and I'll, I'll talk to, I'll talk to the, the bosses at ARC about, about this, that what we ended up doing is, is walking people through a process where we made sure, it was just a, at first it started out as a one-week thing, where we just made sure that they agreed with the vision, the values, and the heartbeat of the church, that they loved Jesus, that, and then we helped them identify the gift. We did it all in one really quick thing because we needed so many volunteers. Once we got six months out, listen, we started this thing that we call Life Track, which is now Growth Track. We're coming out of that. I have people who, A, have been given the tools that they need to grow in the Lord personally. Okay, we do that in there or, or identify like they're what, what it means to walk with Jesus and be a leader. Who be have fallen in love with the church because they heard the vision, the value, the culture of the church, the bleeding the church. Like I love this, I love this, I love this, I want to be a part of it. Uh, they understand that we're we're, we're very um, unapologetic about what God's called us to. So I'll say things like this, like, hey yeah, we're loud, we're rowdy, and we're here to reach the next generation. That's not for everybody. And if you come to me and complain that you don't like the lights and you don't like the sound, I'm going to shrug my shoulders. We teach our whole team to do this and say stuff like, it's not for everybody. Because we're laser focused on what God called us to do. And, and, and now I have a whole team of people that go, it's not for everybody, right? Like they, everyone knows that. So I taught them that in, in Life Track. Um, or we call it Life Track. Then we put them in spots that they love serving. Guys, listen to me. I have volunteers that I have to tell, take a weekend off. Like, but I love kids, but take a weekend off. And then you have mommy dropping off her kid to a volunteer who's not sitting going, I hate kids, church, and I hate kids. The mom, they're dropping off a, the mommy's dropping off a kid to a volunteer who's like, I love kids. Oh, come here. And just so great with kids and the mom. And, right? Understood? Yeah. So I have, now we're in a place where we've been able to correct it through growth track. Where people are connected with their with what I, what we call their uh, redemptive purpose, God put a fingerprint on them, put something in them. Listen, they're the body of Christ, 
Everything your church needs is in that church. Everything God intends for your church to do will be in the church when you launch it. God will put those people there. And your job is to identify that and bring it out. So we made that mess up front, and it's taken us years to fix it. Uh, We're only four years old in January. It's three and a half years old. But um, it took us a good year to fix that. Um, And so big mistake. Can I get a mistake? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I would say my mistake was being a little too thin-skinned. So I would say when God calls you to this, be ready uh, to grow some thick skin because not everybody's going to believe in your dream. And um, there will be some pastors in your world that will not think it's a great idea if it's the city you're leaving or if it's the city you're going to. That's good. There will be people that come to your church, wrinkle their nose, and never come back. There'll be people that you thought would go with you that don't. And then there'll be people that think you're doctrinally off. And then there'll be think- people that think that you preach too fast. Or I'm just, I mean, these are just random ideas coming out of my head. <laughs> Not be a specific. I don't know. I don't know. Some people think you're a little too short, but uh, I can't listen to a guy that I can't even see. But uh, I would just, just be ready for that. Just be ready for when God calls you to something. I was in a scenario where I was a youth pastor forever, and I just got used to everybody loving me. And um, with church planting, I had to grow a thick skin quickly. Mm, very good. Really good. Very good. Yeah, I would just tack on to that. And, um, I don't, don't neglect your soul. I think a lot, when a lot of people hear that, they think your spirit. I don't mean your relationship with God. Obviously, don't neglect that one. But your soul, like your mental health your heart, your emotions. It, it goes along with the thick skin. But I, what I learned uh, in, the, in, in having thick skin pieces, it was real easy for me to have thick skin and a thick heart, like a hard heart. Because then I began getting angry at people, I began getting like, well, screw you. You know, like if you, if that's how you, like, if you really want the sound to be a little bit less, like, you know, I can say, I can say things in Denver now. I couldn't say in Charleston. Like, like I, I found myself like getting upset and getting angry and like becoming disgruntled toward people, the very people God died for and sent me to that town to speak about to speak about him to those people and and so I, so you got to make sure your soul is good that means you need a counselor if you're not in counseling get in it now wow like now like now because you're going to tell your people to get counseling and how dare you tell them if you're too good for it so get in and now. I always tell people you're gonna have, you're gonna need counseling. It's either gonna be proactive or reactive. I just choose proactive. I was at the store the other day. I was buying flowers for my wife, and a guy said, "Did you do something wrong?" I said, "No, brother. It's called pro- be proactive." He said, "Okay." And he wrote it down on his phone. And said, "I'm gonna do it for my girl tonight." I was like, "There you go. Right. It's counseling. That's counseling. You got to be proactive, or you will be reactive because we all got junk, and we've all been hurt, and we all got." You know, daddy issues, mommy issues, cousin issues, whatever the issues are, we got them. Every one of us. And so it's going to come out in some way when that person hurts you. Hurting people hurt people. And you've been hurt. So your tendency is going to be to then hurt. And so get care for your soul so that when the crap happens, and it will, trust us on that one. This has been the hardest ministry year of my life. The last nine months have been the hardest ministry year of my life. Some of my best friends, peacing out. Some people I thought would never leave me, gone. 
and yet my soul has never been healthier. My wife has never loved me more, and my kids still love the church, Jesus, and me. Come on. It's been the greatest year of my life, honestly. So care for your soul. That's so good. What's going on here? I would just say, just uh, my wife's not here, so thank you. I can now do the flower thing. And, you know, um, but just real quick, for me, it's you know, it's humble yourself. God will exalt you in due time, mm. and you are amazing. You are incredible. Um, but you can't do it by yourself. You know, get in the system, get in the ark, and I just want to encourage you for that. You know, like you know, there's great stats out there, and all the you know, but just don't. Don't put pride up there and say, you know what, I'm going to be different. I mean, yes, you will. Yes, God has a call on your life. God has a plan on your life. But just when you humble yourself, then God gets exalted even more so that he gets the glory. He gets the praise. And, and also, yeah, that's it. I'm just going to stop there. So go ahead. Wasn't that good? Wasn't that good? And uh, let's give these guys a hand. Thank you so much. Um, you know, what excites me about ARC is being around leaders like this, seeing the future of ARC. It's so refreshing to be around pastors who think like you guys do, talk like you guys. So I want to honor you. Thank you so much. Uh, if you are interested in planning a church with ARC, you can go to arcchurches.com and click apply. You'll get more information there if you're an existing church. Uh, we have information for you there as well on how to connect, learn more about ARC. And uh, thank you guys so much for being a part of this app session. We'll be back tonight at 7 o'clock uh, for a general session that you don't want to miss. There's going to be a after party if you have any questions i'll hang out and uh and try to answer as many as i can and these guys will there if, if at all possible thank you guys again have a good time on your lunch on your afternoon break see you at seven o'clock tonight